This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 23, Living Rules Reference Interview with Dane Beltrami. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Hello, 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 Twilight Imperium fans. Uh, It's just Matt right now. I wanted to give you guys a quick introduction today. We have a special treat of an episode for you all. The FAQ slash errata for Twilight Imperium 4 was released last week. Uh, They're calling it the Living Rules Reference. And as part of that release, we wanted to do some sort of episode about it, and we thought the best way to do that was to have the person who wrote it help present it with us, and that is Dane Beltrami, the developer for Twilight Imperium 4, and we did an interview with him, and we talked through kind of his history with the company, his experience developing Twilight Imperium 4, and then we went into a lot of detail about the specifics of the FAQ, some of the big changes, some of the big answers to big questions, and uh, that's what we've got for you today. It's it's a really big deal to us to have gotten to do this. We've been really excited for it. It's kind of been in the works for quite a while now, uh, and we're excited to have finally done it. Um, so I'm going to do the rundown at the top of the show just real quick, and then we'll go into the interview, and that'll be the whole meat of the episode. So just to say it off the top, uh, we also want to thank Scott for all of his help with the FAQ and the errata and specifically helping me prep some show notes for this interview. Uh, he, he was a big influence in, in helping kind of focus in on what are the biggest changes. Uh, we also want to say follow us on Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles, on Twitter, Space Cats Pod. Email is spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. That's the best place to send us this Imperium Life Stories, which is where we tell stories about everyone's favorite in-game moments of Twilight Imperium. Uh, it's also a really good spot to send us plays of the week. We won't be doing a play of the week this episode. We just really wanted to focus on this interview, so uh, we'll have some play of the weeks next week. Uh, also, we have our Patreon up. I want to thank a couple of our patrons, our illustrious Chancellor Billy, our Emissary William. I also want to thank Norman. Uh, Those are some of our credits for this week. They're part of the Steve Martin fan club. Uh, Also, keep an eye out for our posts on the Twilight Imperium subreddit. That's the best place to get a part of some of the discussion that we have every week around our different episodes. Uh, We also have a Board Game Geek Guild. We link to that on our Reddit and kind of elsewhere. Our Discord is also linked in our Reddit notes. Um, Also, kind of a new special note we have a twitch and a youtube channel and we've recently been getting a little bit more into twitch hunter and i are both super pumped to play this game called sea of thieves if you're into video games you might know about it coming up it's just this ridiculous pirate game that honestly for us has a lot in common with twilight imperium in that it's just this very make what you want out of it you know you can kind of shoot your own path you can be as diplomatic or terrible as you want um so we've been kind of testing that out and when the game 
uh, officially releases, we want to do some fun streams with everyone. So, you know, feel free to keep an eye out for that stuff and keep an eye on our YouTube channel. We'll post some videos of that as well. We also do all of our Twilight Imperium live streamed games on our YouTube channel, which is again, Space Cats, Peace Turtles. So let's jump into the interview. I'm going to stop talking. We don't have a play of the week at the end. We don't have any errata. Uh, we're just going to dive into the episode and that'll be it. So let's cut to Hunters and My interview with the lead developer of Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. We kind of just wanted to dive in by firstly hearing a little bit about you and a little bit about your history, not only with like TI, but maybe a little bit with fi- uh, Fantasy Flight as a company. So I-, I don't really know when you started with Fantasy Flight and if you started almost like, you know, because of TI or kind of what's what's your background there? Uh, yeah, sure. So I have worked at Fantasy Flight for two years now, uh, a little more than two years. Um, before that, I, I actually interned there as well oh cool um i i became interested in in the internship because of ti and arkham horror two of my favorite games Mm. uh and i applied uh got accepted made my way out here uh and uh had the internship um during the internship um you know one of the things i started doing was playtesting eldritch horror okay cool uh, uh which is also one of my favorite games now um and what ended up happening is i ended up being hired freelance to write for eldritch horror so starting i think maybe the fourth expansion on onward um i did a bunch of the the writing for it uh, and that kind of helped me get my foot in the door yeah. and then i actually ended up helping de- develop the last um three the the previous three that that, that we did uh cities and ruin and dreamlands and um the masks of narlathotep which just came out recently gotcha yep so that's that's kind of how i how i ended up here cool so you you played was ti3 your first twilight imperium or had you been playing it before um even that oh, ti3 vanilla was my yeah. first twilight imperium yep cool I, I had not played the second edition, but I did play TI3 in each expansion as it came right. out. Cool. So you talked about Arkham and Eldritch. We're, we're pretty curious um, in general, like what other games have kind of always interested you, um, and then we'll kind of we'll we'll curtail that a little bit more into specifically TI's development. But but in general, um, you know, what are your kind of chosen sure. game types and, and favorite games and stuff? Uh, and are, are we are we talking just just board games here, or is this card we games, can, video games? Let's let's. How about just what what got you like hooked into um like kind of started you on the path that led you to being uh the TI four daddy that you are now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, probably one of the first board games I played was like the. Eon followed shortly by the Mayfair edition of Cosmic Encounter, okay, Ooh. which which I thought was the greatest thing I'd ever right. played because it was like uh, not necessarily because of the theme of the, like you know the aliens and stuff, but just because of the I, I love variable yeah exactly. games like like the the crazy interactions, just the insanity, the the 
no game the is diplomacy ever the same. between yeah. players like just like tons of fun for like, sure and that and that's and that's where where i kind of started with that honestly if we didn't play so much twilight imperium uh we would probably say the exact same thing yeah about cosmic encounter yeah like that totally it's a wonderful game it's fantastic i love it <laughs> um also j- just as far as like science fiction goes yeah. dune is my favorite book i have i've always been Dope. into sci-fi um one of the games i played growing up a ton was a computer game called master of orion 2 yeah, which is that's basically what everyone tw- brings up yeah <laughs> it's basically twilight imperium yeah like <laughs> in a video game and right. so like and so like when i realized what twilight imperium was mm-hmm. like i was just like buying it yeah yeah gotta gotta have that yep so when when you kind of you know obviously hooked on Twilight Imperium when when it came time for you to start getting to actually be like a part of designing it you know a, a major part of designing it what were you in your head mostly pulling from besides just previous iterations of Twilight Imperium Oh man um that's a good question Well here I'll, I'll start with something else so yeah. I didn't I didn't even really fully understand how involved I would be at first with Twilight Imperium because uh, being being relatively new at at the company, like you know, Twilight Imperium is is like a huge yeah. undertaking, mm-hmm. um, and so and so when when I heard about it first, I approached Corey and was like, "Hey, when you start working on this, I would love to just like help play test." Like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, totally, no problem. Um, th- you know, the the time came around. Uh, I was between projects, and Corey was like, hey, like, you know, could you just like, you know, come up with a list of kind of like your TI like wants, like things mm. that you you would want to change, you'd want to do differently. What a gift you kind- were given. <laughs> <laughs> and then and that kind of transitioned into like. Like, you know, like an early prototype of like tech and trade and like politics. And then at some point he was just kind of like, well, like I've got a lot on my plate and you seem like you've got this. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) what have I done? And and, and that's that's kind of how that that ended up. So like, I guess it started with me not even realizing. Right. You're suddenly the designer for TI4. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I guess, you know, I mentioned before that I love variable powers, and I I guess one of the things I wanted to, you know, increase with the new version of the game is make sure that the, the, you know, the core game really brings out the the faction flavors, and that's, you know, the reasoning behind including faction tech, including flagships, including promissory notes, you know, in making sure that every faction has, like, a strong, like, identity yeah of the uh of the changes that you proposed on that list so long ago now um <laughs> what of those what are those things that got implemented into the game are you most proud of like um your answer cannot be yin sorry just contractually <laughs> i'm not i i i that's a great question what am i most proud of um I'm really pleased that we ended up being able to pull all 17 factions in. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. uh, that, 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 
but that's not really a, a game design thing. Um, but it is. I mean, designing 17 unique races right. is, I mean, that's a pretty gigantic undertaking. Uh, I guess I really like how, I really like how uh, the commodities and trade goods and the promissory notes turned out. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I've been in games where, you know, one or both systems have been more or less used than other games I've been in. Yeah. But, like, when they hit the, the spot, like, right. with, with player interaction, like, it's great. Yeah, and, I agree. And, when, when commodities are work, when, when the group is willing to play with commodities the right amount, it's like yep. you're playing the greatest game yeah. that's ever been made because it's, it's so interaction-based. Yep. And, and I admit, it totally has the potential to, like, when people don't want to interact with one another, like, nothing's making them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that can totally fall flat. Uh, but, but when it sings, I feel like it does. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it does what it I does think, I well. think the fact that it is optional like that is what makes it so good, though. Because if it were, if it were forced on you, it, would, it wouldn't be the same system. I mean, the fact that you have to game it up and you got to, like, really think about how you're going to milk that system that that is what makes it good so i think it is better for it even though sometimes players don't utilize it like that's what makes it kind of unique and and important right and if like one player were to utilize it and the others really aren't they're gonna right they're gonna get ahead yeah they're gonna have a success story um so in designing like all of those 17 races i think something that kind of always is in the back of hunter and i's mind is how much of that design are you really trying to balance them against each other? Or when designing the races, is it kind of, is, is flavor the more important thing? And I don't think there's like a right answer to that because I, I think flavor sometimes is what makes me get into a race more than like right. thinking about whether or not they're going to help mm-hmm. me win the best. And, and, and I, yeah, and I don't, I don't know that I have a great answer. Uh, yeah. It's both both yeah. are really important um more than anything like i i i wanted them to be fun yeah uh obviously things that are overpowered are are, are a problem so like you know we attempted to tone things down that we initially mm-hmm. uh, had had decided on but we're we're too strong um but but really ultimately is it thematic is it fun is it at least somewhat balanced uh the beauty of a game like ti you know it's a social game like right. often things balance themselves out exactly like that that's a terrible excuse for for game design you're like oh it'll bounce <laughs> it'll bounce it out eventually but but as as far as as far as some factions go that's definitely true if yeah. you are if you're a necro you have a target on your back that's just how life is right um and and that same is true for other factions as well. Jolnar, yeah. um, the Muat, simply because they have a, a war sun and for no other reason. Uh, even sometimes like Mentak, if they're right, just because it's impossible to do anything without giving them money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a what are some things that you guys had to like? Are there any? Mm, I guess like, can you remember any crazy? earlier builds of the game where one race did have to have something taken away from it and if so what was oh for sure yeah um the initial letnev ability was uh that (laughs) uh that you 
could have one ship of each ship type before it started counting against your fleet supply. (laughs) (laughs) And it was one of those things that, you know, it was probably like, uh, you know, 7.30 in the morning, and I'm like, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, right. (laughs) And then, then like, like, Letnev is the fleet race. We're going to make him have awesome fleets. And then the first thing that happened in, you know, the very first playtest was... You know, the Latin player looked at their command sheet and they're just like, well, moving all these straights into something else. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Were there yeah, any. It, it was amazing. Were there. Yeah, were there. <laughs> what, is there any opposite of that story? Is there any race where, like, you, you tried it out and it was like, oh, it turns out we made a race that can't do anything or, or you know, any, any, any races you kind of had to save from the brink? Oh, yeah. They had to, like. Yeah. Up. Um. It was definitely more often the other way around. Sure, uh, there more was, fun to make. I I do recall a point where like, uh, maybe I had felt that the Jolnar were too strong. Yeah, and I I adjusted them so so far back that like tech as an identity almost wasn't even a thing oh, anymore. Yeah. And I eventually s- scrapped that idea, and and I do feel like. Jolnar are, are still pretty much top tier, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a point where they were, they were really, I, I think, pretty, bottom. pretty non, <laughs> pretty non-functional. Yeah. Well, I think it's better for it because I mean, if you if you have the tech race lose that identity just for the sake of balance, I mean, like we were saying earlier, like they need to have a property of their own that gets people excited to play them, and and Jolnar, I think, more often than any other race at least for me like that was one of the first ones i gravitated towards because it's just like in ti3 you know you looked at that huge tech tree and you're just like i need to explore that and i need to be able to try things out and jolnar is the only like way to do that and so kind of the same thing with ti4 it's just like i want all the tech so i think that will be nice to do (laughs) man honestly i could probably just ask you how each race was at different stages of development (laughs) for like two hours and just listen to just literally just that. I, I, I'm I'm trying to think if any of them like haven't changed at all. I don't, I don't, I don't think they have. I think, I think most of them are, 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 are pretty different than they were at one stage yeah. or another. I, I'll, I'll ask about one specific race. And, and I think this is Uh-oh. one. People dog on them too. No, I won't ask about the yin. Don't worry. But people oh, okay. people do dog on the winu a lot. And yep. um, I'm just curious because obviously I think the biggest thing with the winu is they're clearly the biggest changed from TI3. Um, yep. their, their flavor went more in the direction of what I, you know, what their flavor was supposed to be in TI3. But in TI3, their abilities were sort of flavorless. So I, I, especially initially, like, just reading the abilities, I remember being really into the Winu. And, of course, playing them, it becomes kind of a difficult thing. But but all that aside, were there other kind of major iterations of the Winu? Uh, no, we, we had kind of decided right away that uh, the Winu didn't really have an identity. Yeah. Like, like, you know, Jolnar is a tech race. Uh Letnam's the fleet race. Hakan's the trade race. What race is Winu? They're not really anything. Yeah. Like they just kind of have a hodgepodge of, of stuff. And so, yeah, we 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 kind of re envisioned them based on their their game lore as sort of the mechatol or bust race. Yeah. And and yeah and 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 yeah that 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 hasn't set 
super well with uh, you know everybody some people like it some but a lot of like the diehard winu players are i think were kind of yeah. disappointed in the change or or at least they felt that it was too uh, one one dimensional right like it was it really was mechatol or bust like yeah. if you didn't if you didn't get to mechatol it was kind of like uh, you do bust usually you, yeah and and that that is unfortunate I, but i still stand by with winu that like obviously there are games where it works like with any race i mean th- there is a certain level of chance that i think all players have to accept right. with ti like the number of variables you guys put into this game it's like you don't always win because you did such a stellar job it's like you know sometimes you get the objectives handed to you and like that Mm -hmm. helps a lot and so i think i'm excited to have the game where winu like gets to run away with it because some you know that's definitely going to happen where like oh i got to mechatol set up just right and when that happens like winu suddenly becomes like a really big threat on the board and you get to have a completely different kind of game i mean i i like that they have that sort of variance to them yeah, and and we've had we've had a lot of success using Winu actually as more of a mechatol deterrent. Sometimes. Yeah, right. Like like in the, in that they're not even necessarily farming mechatol for VP, but they're they're making sure that nobody else does. Yeah. Like ah, they have right. they have the 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 back door. Like they don't play in such a way that they're betting everything on mechatol. They're betting everything around mechatol. Yeah, and and keeping other Sequester players sequester everyone else it, from it. Exactly, and and that's and that's gone you know, pretty, pretty well. Another thing I find that it's a terrible thing to say, but I find that the Winu are, are great at crushing new players. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. Yeah. Because new players don't recognize that like letting someone just take Imperial round after round or whatever, or like don't realize the importance of getting out of their home system and, and you know, making a stab at Mechatol. I I definitely agree. Like I think any high win rate Winu is going to have is coming from one person playing with a bunch of, new players and mm-hmm. and just showing them like hey these are the things you need to focus on next time because this is how you run yep. away with a game <laughs> i think that i think there's also something to say for you know like a first turn mechatol take uh just the extra vp yeah. and just even two extra command counters on the second turn like even if that's the only thing you ever get if you can like if you can if you can do that without committing like a ton to it, like that's like a pretty good yeah haul for for them early on. Right. Um, so we talked a little bit about the Winu. Um, are there were there any systems that you were adding and like bringing to the game or changing as far as like trade and tech and stuff that you were nervous about as far as like the fan reception of it? Uh, tech for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, it, Tech, tech has been streamlined in such a way that, uh, you know, at, at any given time, like you are you are traveling in a straight line, mm-hmm. you may be skipping or you may be pulling from different mm-hmm. trees, um, and I think that gives off an illusion that generally you have less choices at any given time, um, and certainly there are points where compared to the TI three tree that is true. Yeah. Uh, but but. It, but it actually ends up being more just evened out. Like you have like slightly more choices at all times. Right. Uh, um, and, and, and it also lets you like one of, one of my 
greatest sadnesses in TI3 was that a lot of the times those end tech never came into play. Yeah, I never the fact once that they were super saw fun. X89. Yeah, I, I never saw <laughs> Light Wave, and I never saw X89. I, saw, I, I got Light Wave. You did a Light Wave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never, I never saw it. And and, and I kind of decided that well, I don't, I don't need like this tech to be the culmination of the game like i want people right. to get it and i want people to play with it definitely uh, because otherwise it's it's no fun Agreed. um yeah and 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 having having one option at at each stage uh is is i think currently limiting what it could be uh, and so like you know my hope is that you know one day if we ever do an expansion mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that mm-hmm. we could we could we could do like a, additional tech in it right tier. yeah yeah definitely um so completely hypothetical of course no yeah. no of yeah, course yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, speaking speaking of tech what was it like the day that you saw the card for hypermetabolism what was that day like uh it was <laughs> denial like oh no that, that couldn't couldn't possibly be true uh followed by a look into the files and oh nope yep that's definitely oh. true uh, stop the presses not 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 my finest moment uh, sincere apologies to everybody for that um yeah that 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 was a bummer uh you know, it, it. I believe I. It arose because, you know, one of the things, one of the last, you know, stages of development in uh, games. A lot of the time, is we'll try to unify language, mm-hmm. and and in this case, I think we unified it a little too well with mm-hmm. um, neural motivators, uh, <laughs> and and a little bit of it got lost in translation, which is a, which is a, yeah. which is a bummer. Well, I think it was a necessary... I mean, like, the fact that you can actually hand the rulebook to someone now and they could, like, feasibly want to learn the game, whereas in TI3, if you handed the rulebook to someone, it's like, this is 30 pages. I'm good. Thanks. Just like, tell me. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, yeah. When, when I got... When I first, like, downloaded, you know, the day the Learn to Play was posted online and I'm, like, feverishly looking through it, I, it was just, like, so thrilling to finally have something that was like, oh, this is actually laid out in, like, a, a normal order and then a rules reference where, like, I can actually look this stuff up later rather than requiring myself to have a PDF version that I can, like, you know, control F, find what I need to, to look for. Now it's, like, actually possible to peruse the rulebook. For sure. And, uh, you know, TI has such a reputation of being, like, an impenetrable game. Right. And and, and I, 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 I personally, once I learned the game, uh, I never felt that, that it was. I agree completely, um, yeah. And, like, you know... The the individual systems that make it up, sure, there's a lot of them, but but I think most of them are intuitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are 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 connected in such a way that you know you don't. It's not as complicated as as it no. may seem. And for, for avid sure. board gamers, I would definitely add to that that like most of the a lot of the systems are systems everyone has experienced in other games. I've always, when I've tried to like oh, sell people on TI, I always tell them it's like it's every board game you've ever played. Yeah, it's just, just this thrown plus all this. of them together. Right, like we, right. we they just comboed all of them to make the greatest of all the board games. Like 
Um, so kind of piggyback- piggybacking off of uh, piggyback. Oh man, my mm. words. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was uh, rough. <laughs> piggyback. Going off the back of ta- talking like balance, um, and to start steering us into talking a little bit about that, the FAQ, the living rules reference that you guys are calling it, that you guys just posted um, last week at time of posting this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. What. I'm curious, kind of, obviously, Arata primarily is there to to clean up things that, like, were overlooked, or not even overlooked, but just, like, players are looking for crazy ways to break the game and trying to, like, stop those things. But I'm curious, as far as, like, the, the balance of the races, do you guys ever consider um, Arata or FAQ as a method of kind of, like, helping... Obviously, you're not going to do any major balance changes, but but is there anything you use Arata for that kind of helps maybe scale a race forward or back? I personally wouldn't, yeah. um, unless it was like egregious, right. like unless unless the Letnev had ended up with the five uh, <laughs> five, five right. ships for free, no, you know, total runaway. Um, like I, I think it's better to avoid changes like that. Definitely. What What do you feel like from from the game's release um, and your experience with people playtesting it, people playing it in general? Um, what is the craziest or weirdest way that you've seen that someone broke the game or found like an interaction that you hadn't even considered before? I have a couple answers for this. <laughs> uh, the one, the one I was definitely saddest about was the uh, if the Necro are fighting the Letnev oh, and steal non-Euclidean shielding oh, and yeah. steal Duranium yeah. armor, and both sides also have only two dreadnoughts <laughs> in the battle. <laughs> just, just because, like. Getting rid of the the infinite battle problem was yeah. was like one of the things that I was just like, okay, we got it. Like yeah. geranium armor is good. We've we've cleaned this up, and then only to see it like come back, admittedly in like the most insane fringe scenario yeah. possible. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but 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 I, at the same time, I was just like, really? Yeah. To put in considerable uh, effort to making that not a thing and find out it still becomes a thing. It, yep. Um, yeah, just more more proof that the Necro ruin everything. Uh, I would say the 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 funniest or or my favorite. It's all it's all about the Necro. Is was yeah. the, the question posed to what happens when you have a? It was like a a SAR space dock in a supernova. <laughs> because you have <laughs> and then and then and then you and then you replace both techs what happens oh to my God. to to the to the space dock and the ships and the answer I is nothing i guess <laughs> you have a space dock that sits there forever you, you have a sp- you have a space dock with with uh zero production that you if you could find a way to make ships out of it then you would they would just be in the supernova? <laughs> I mean, there, there's no rules about being in a supernova. Right. There's rules about moving into or through a supernova, but <laughs> being in it is totally fine, apparently. <laughs> wow. To move to move into um, 
Oh, I think we know. We we know we know the answer to we, we we have a bunch of living rules reference questions, and our first question is what races were the biggest problem children? But we know that necro ne- necrovirus <laughs> yeah. always. Um, but kind of off of that same point, are there any um, keywords that you like consider the scariest? You know, like anytime this keyword comes up, things just start to get wonky. Whether it's just you know the production keyword or you know after a blank cap. You know, is there any keyword that really hurts uh when and after yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah definitely the the scariest with the duranium armor you like took effort to avoid that what is something that came up that was just very like oh huh i would have never even thought that those two like mechanics would even interact the unexpected problems that arise if clan of sar uh, chaos mapping can't produce units on the turn that you pass. Oh yeah, right. Because my initial reaction to that is no, yeah. you can't if you're passing. Um, and then the scenario was kind of given to us that was, well, what if the SAR player played an action card that was sabotaged, um, and they've already produced a unit, <laughs> but then they don't have a turn anymore. Um, a turn anymore. And and the answer is that that can't happen. That shouldn't happen. Right. You should never you should never in in, in TI be forced to undo or right. go back in time, remember the state of anything that isn't there. Yeah. Um and so that that bizarre interaction was something that um Made you completely reconsider ma- how you wanted uh, the ruling to be. Yeah. That's yep. really interesting. Um yep. What, what for you are some of the most, uh, th- this is kind of almost where we want to start getting into, th- this is like the informative part of the episode, where um, are, are there, like, what are the most important changes that, like, if, if you had to give spark notes to someone who wasn't going to look over the living rules reference, but, like, you needed them to know some specific things so that they don't mess this up in their future TI games, what are kind of your biggest, most important changes? Uh, sure. Um, I think... Fighters blocking is probably a big mm. one. Uh, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, it was a holdover from TI3. It was, I, I think, kind of uh, almost a little bit against kind of some of the design decisions that I was aiming for in TI4, which was eliminating exceptions, right. especially if they weren't hugely impactful. Definitely. Um, so so that, that to me was, is a, is a, rules wise maybe even the the biggest change in in that it's actually different right not 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 just a clarification or like an, something that was overlooked um i think i think the clarifications on um timing structure uh right very, very useful because I, I applying that to game effects in general and not just action cards um which which was uh, always the intent, but didn't didn't come through in the uh, rules reference. Mm-hmm. How I, I've got a question. How long or how how often should we expect that? Like how how long are you going to kind of stay on Twilight Imperium uh, with doing these living rules reference updates, or is this kind of like the major one for now, and then we'll see? 
I, I mean, it is the major one for now, and we will see. But I mean, the answer is as as often as necessary. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's something that's important to me. Uh, so like you know, if there's something that you know sh- should be logged for the second version, like. I'm going to log it for the second version. I'm going to make sure that it gets out eventually. If it's something that is like dire and mm-hmm. immediate, like, you know, I'll make sure that it gets out sooner. Right. Um, you know, I, I think, I feel like we've, we covered a, a pretty, a pretty good amount of the, you know, stuff that's come up in the first, you know, half year since the game right. game's release. I, w- I wouldn't expect to see version two, you know, next week. Right, of right. course. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was kind of our biggest wonder is if is because you called it a living rules reference, it was like, is this almost gonna be like, you know, are there gonna be new patch notes every right. so often yeah, to kinda so- keep <laughs> up with? Or should we just ex- I, I, w- I yeah. wouldn't expect new patch notes, but I, <laughs> what what I would expect is that it will eventually be complete. Yeah. Like as as a as a as a gamer myself for many years one of the more frustrating things is when you know something ends up incomplete right and you have like you know in video games you end up with community patches and board games you have you know collected faq and so i you know it's something i want i really wanted to make sure that you know if somebody wanted you know the definitive rules and answers like they could find them in one place that's great. Uh, now we've kind of got some our, of our own questions uh, for the for the rules reference that we want to ask. Uh, if, okay. if that's okay, this is this is our special. So um, in the in the rules, I've noticed that you, you use the word destroy a lot, and yep. I have been when I, my units are destroyed, I have been melting down my plastic yeah. because it said destroy. You've made a very expensive board game and I've had to buy it four times now because I'm it, destroying... It was a tough decision to make during development, but <laughs> just, I think you should be very proud of yourself for playing the correct way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think a lot of people need to know that the intention is for you to destroy your units when it says destroy. Yeah. Like... It, it, Literally delete them. Ab- abso- absolutely. It's 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 probably a burden on your part because you didn't package an incinerator with the game. But Hunter and I will expensive. be releasing the official Space Cats Peace Turtles Twilight Imperium incinerator for those purposes. So you know you're yeah, welcome the, the, on, on picking up your slack there. Early versions did have the incinerator included, <laughs> but it weighed very heavily on oh, the budget. Unfortunately. Of course, it's too of expensive. Course. And, and you know we are we are ultimately in the end of a business. So. <laughs> Uh, the incinerator was among the first things to be cut. Right. Um, so we kind of wanted to touch on some of the other um, things we, we kind of picked up on as as just important um, changes or, or FAQs to note, just kind of for our listeners, for everyone who maybe isn't like digging in to the rules reference, which everyone should. I mean, everything's highlighted in red. It's really not that hard to like look through everything right. pretty quickly, but... If you could, I know there was lots of crazy discussion about the Van Hog and its like interaction with gravity rifts and just all these yep. different. Tr- like, if you can kind of overview the problems and the results with that. Yep. The question was, um, or one of the questions surrounding the the Van Hog and the the gravity rift was that where where if it got destroyed by the gravity rift did it blow up um and 
there was evidence that it could be in the system it started in. There's evidence it could be in in the gravity risk system or even in the target system, uh, or that it would blow up and destroy only the ships that were moving. Um, and, and really, the 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 the, the, the problem was that there was no there was no indication as to when exactly that gravity rift happened and and it had escaped you know unnoticed for kind of so long because ultimately in most cases it doesn't really matter when exactly it happens right and 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 a lot of people are not willing to risk their flagship no. in a gravity I rift so never. <laughs> so 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 that's the kind of thing that no matter how many games we played it just never came up right um and so you know that that essentially was an interesting situation because there wasn't an immediate intent like it wasn't something that i could answer off the top of my head saying i know what the answer to this is it's right it's right here in the rules it was i have no idea (laughs) and 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 the the eventual answer spoiler for for those listening (laughs) is that it will end up blowing up in the target system so you could do a nice uh nice little snipe. van hag van van hag slingshot <laughs> slingshot bomb and yeah. uh knock out a system of ships which honestly just is the right answer and, and it feels like you're you're i i can sense your design philosophy coming through with ti4 which is more often than not especially the very first time i was reading through like the rules reference and stuff everything i could tell was in ti3 there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of exceptions and there's a lot of what if i do this and then the person who knows the game has to go well no you can't really do that and it, it has constantly felt like for ti4 you wanted to be like eh let them do it. It's fun. <laughs> What's the problem? Let let them slingshot nuke the the system. Well, I don't see what the big deal is. Let them shoot the PDS through the wormholes. Yes, yes. exactly. Thank yes. you, Dane. Thank you. <laughs> let the Arborek work the way they are supposed to work, and let the SAR work the way they're supposed to work with production on the move. Yeah, you're a sort of liberator. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Free, free the Twilight Imperium factions. Right. <laughs> I want to uh, ask a fun question. Um, what What's your favorite race to play in Twilight Imperium? Hands down, Ghosts of Creus. Yeah. Wow. Well, can you elaborate? Yep. Just like what What is it about them that, that... I love mobility in games. Yeah. I love I love their aesthetic. Uh, I love their name. I love their <laughs> home system. I love their tech. Uh, just. Uh, everything the Kree- yeah. the Kreas are my people and when they were released like i came home it was awesome right yeah <laughs> I, I i was a hardcore soul before that wow yeah. okay cool um what about do you have do you have any do you have a least favorite race is it okay for a designer to yeah, have you a least just favorite? dunk on one of your creations <laughs> I, I, real quick I, I, I think that's okay i can i can i think i can share my 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 least favorite yeah my, please my be least in. favorite please faction be in. please be in it's it's not yet no! it's, i i i think the yin are kind of no they're, they're they not, are they're neat. not they're not my style I, I i think my my least favorite faction might be mentech honestly Whoa. which, which a, a, a lot of people love the mentech yeah. so i know i'm in the minority there but i hate being po- posed with this decision where I have to decide whether or not I'm going to 
annoy somebody yeah, I by get that. taking their money because <laughs> I want to be efficient and use my faction abilities. Right. But I also don't want to to annoy somebody until I'm sure that I can kill them in one move. Right. <laughs> and and with the Mentech, I feel like those two desires of mine are are really at yeah, at, odds. at odds. Definitely. Yeah, that's I can see now why that is because of your explanation. That's absolutely why they're my favorite race. It's just like there's <laughs> nothing I get more enjoyment out of of just like poking and prodding and like oh I'm sorry that you don't enjoy that, but I'm gonna go ahead and take one of those. Thank you very much. And, and you know I've seen games where people didn't even care. They're like oh yeah, yeah the Mentac. It's just you know they're t- they're taking a little off the top. It's just life in the galaxy. And I've seen some games where the taking of one trade good mm-hmm. was was <laughs> the direction that the game took yes. like it was <laughs> yeah. the the war over the one trade good on turn two. right <laughs> welcome to the next 7 hours yeah exactly <laughs> that's good oh, that's so true um back to some kind of like living rules reference questions um sure. what were sort of the 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 end result of the necrovirus their flagship and ground forces. I, I know that was like a kind of a huge. We freaked out about it. Yeah, we, we freaked. <laughs> so the 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 biggest issue that I recall is the fact that there was this question of like, what do are do the ground forces adhere to fleet supply? Do they technically leave the planet? Are they are they adhering to capacity? Like where? Kind of where are they, and like how many can you realistically have in a battle? Yep, that's a tough one. Um, so there's a couple competing priorities there: making what makes sense, making what's thematic, making what's supported by the rules, and all those things. Kind of uh, racing for top priority, yeah. and what we what we eventually decided uh, what was to me thematic and fun for the necrovirus like yeah. they could pull they could pull up all their units from from the planets they wouldn't physically leave the planets but they'd participate in the battle uh they didn't have to worry about capacity because the capacity was being taken care of by, by the, planet. Mm-hmm. the planet um and the counterpoint to that was that if the ship was destroyed they would have to return to their planet. They no longer had the, you know, whatever right. node they were working off of that controlled them or whatever uh, to, to keep them in the fight. Right. And so then the other question that came from that, of course, was the, so are they ships? Like, what can, you know... They are ships. Is that, yay! For sure. <laughs> Winu got a good they, thing. <laughs> they, they they are for sure, for, for sure ships. Yes. And this is one of the uh, situations in which... The Winu flagship can fire really? like one million bullets. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree. I agree with you on on sticking with letting them do it. I I know that like people people think it must not be true because they just can't imagine throwing eighteen ground forces into a fight. But I think especially because you you kind of referenced at the top of the show the fact that like necro hit the ground running and like are just really at odds with everyone and so i think it's pretty necessary to give them something like this where it's like give them a chance to defend themselves right. please i i think they it, needed it yeah for sure and 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 that makes the necro flagship like the thing that ensures that the necro never lose their own right system. Mm-hmm. yeah which in many and, games and, they would <laughs> 
Yep, for sure. And 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 I think that outside of like misplay, typically they would otherwise be the most likely faction to lose their home right. system. Yeah, definitely. I like it when I realized that's how it worked. It was I was literally in the middle of a game and it occurred to me that oh wait oh oh wow, <laughs> and I felt like yep. I just won the lottery. I was so <laughs> I love the necro, so I was very 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 happy. Yep that. you you need you need some shenanigans to pull off a necro home system invasion. Yeah. Of course, now the the Krius, uh, <laughs> are, are they can handle that with a proper application of. Uh, of a dimensional splicer right. if you can if you can get the necro to place uh uh a home a wormhole in their own home system which uh <laughs> isn't impossible weirdly enough yeah <laughs> just convince them at the right time yeah early game like hey like here's a wormhole like use it to get places i know you're the necro you like to go places <laughs> wow that's actually a really i had never thought about that that's a really good idea yeah and i'm Giving away my anti-necro strategy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, another one. This one's probably an easier one to kind of like go over. But I know the you kind of had to do a fairly big change for um, veto uh, and just kind of the the issue of what was going on with Xtra's ability and veto in conjunction with riders and like what what was if you could go over like what the problem really was there and and why you changed it the way you changed it. Yep, the problem was what happens when somebody has, um, because Ryder and Vito, Riders and Vito have the same timing, uh, when a player who is earlier uh, in like priority for playing abilities plays a Rider, and then the the agenda that they are writing gets vetoed, mm-hmm. do they get it back? Um, is it lost forever? Well, there's just no answer. Uh, there's no answer in in the rules. There's no really precedent. There's right. no parallel. Yeah, and and you know, at some point in development, uh, Quash was changed from that timing to its current timing for that reason, so that if an agenda is going to get axed, it's going to get axed before anything else happens. Um, and I, and that's important, I think, for for all. Uh, you know abilities like that and and there you know with as with most changes you know first we check to see like can it work how it is right and if you know we eventually decide like no well can it be fixed with a clarification well no it can't be fixed with just a clarification it's clearly like you know contradictory yeah well that that's when we um you know to an errata, right? Which is what happened. Which is what happened to Vito, right? And it's nice. I mean, when, just looking at the errata versus the FAQ. I mean, you guys did a really good job of not changing almost anything. I mean, the only honestly, like half the things that changed are changed for clarification purposes. But like most people, you know, the whole diplomacy thing. Spend one token from your strategy pool to ready up to two exhausted planets. Well, who yep. would have thought you control needed to really be included there? But here we are. Like half of the errata is just like, okay, yes, we'll we'll clean that up a little. Veto, hypermetabolism, and the matriarch are really the only three that like. Yep. Had to and, have and we, a change. And and we we tried very hard to, uh, make it so that the least amount of text on those cards was was changed as well. Right. Yeah. Um. So. 
kind of one one end point for just living rules reference stuff is um, sure. and and I, I I have a bit of a lead in for this one because I, I know one of your answers so I kind of want maybe you to come up with a few more but like what would you say are some of your your biggest um, I don't want to call them regrets like just your biggest goofs maybe are the biggest or the better question a, Goof, a goof's a good term sure so like uh, the example I have okay. just to just to kind of curb your thought is I know you've talked about skilled retreat being the name of the action card is something you've discussed before <laughs> so those kind of things yes. what, what are the goofs where you're just like oh I wish I hadn't done that yep uh well hypermetabolism of course sure um I, yes, I wish skilled retreat had been named anything else because it's not a it's not a retreat despite sharing many characteristics. Right. Thus, the name that that is a little bit of a bummer, just because not because it's broken or or bad in any way, but just because it causes many questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most people and, and, can and, and questions are fine. Like I, I actually I love responding to rules questions. Yeah. Like I like talking to people. Well, you're a saint, Wayne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. I wouldn't say that I regret this, but it definitely was unexpected. Uh, the day that somebody pointed out that you could use light wave deflectors to go through the oh yeah vocalish. through your through your boys oh, oh no yep. oh man they yep. have an they have an Achilles I, heel <laughs> absolutely floored. <laughs> um, so so at that point, my what I had decided was that it was time to try to turn that to an advantage so yeah yeah i like i i also like to shoot my pds through my hill collision right of course mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep stack them up in the home system <laughs> fire right Just on through drive it around um, there there was a, a game in which i allowed the extra flagship into my home system with no other <laughs> ships present so that it so that it, it could shoot Wow! Through the, hip, the wow, as well. that's wow. amazing. <laughs> that's that's really good. <laughs> I would like to um, kind of ask, as far as um, you know, like fan homebrew rules that you see out there. Are there any that you are like kind of privy towards, or some that you've seen that you're like, that is a crazy system that I wouldn't, you know, you're you're not upset to not have put in the game, but like. Hunter, I've talked a lot about just the idea that, like, you know, video games are the static thing. You get a video game shipped to you, you can only do what the video game allows you to. And and board games are what are so much more fascinating because we can twist it to whatever we want. So what what are some ways you've really enjoyed seeing people twist your design? I love all the alternate setups. Uh, the TI setup was never meant to be the end-all, be-all of TI. Like, I played enough TI to know that every group has a different way of doing mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And they're all amazing. And that was a. I was actually a tough point in TI development. Was me for me was trying to figure out like what's the best setup for TI. Right. And 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 essentially what I went with was go the most vanilla. Yeah. People are gonna come up with a hundred times better. Give give people the the you know the the simple clean experience of you know selecting your factions and setting up the map. Right. And people are going to make all kinds of crazy stuff and it's all going to be awesome. And so I, I, when I like, I personally, when I play TI, I don't know that I have ever used the same faction set up multiple times yeah. other than, you know, just, you know, 
I played a series of, of TI games where, you know, once you lost as a faction, you could never play it again. And yeah. Th- I've played picks and bans and drafting, and mm. and they're they're all fun. I think they're they're pros and cons to all of them. And of I, course. I, you know, I don't I don't when I see them, I don't regret like not having them in the game mm-hmm. at yeah, all. Yeah, I, like, I like the direction you took instead of just kind of leaving it almost deliberately vague, where it's just kind of like. Fill in the gaps as you see fit. Like, you, you didn't put it in a way where it made it feel like you ever... I mean, you know, we, we do this kind of co-op method, but honestly, in the way the rules read, like, I've never even felt like we were breaking the rules very much. Or like they're, doing they're, a homebrew. Yeah, yeah, it's never felt homebrew to me because, yeah, you guys left the language vague enough that it's kind of like, everything's mostly allowed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not telling you how to organize with other people. I'm not telling you how to choose your factions. Right. Like, like the language is there to be just how it is. And, you know, people who pick up the game for the first time, like, I don't want them to have to know. Right. Every in and out of every faction they could be sitting next to. Exactly. Of the, the pros and cons of having this here versus that there. And they'll just put it together either, you know, how one of the preset right. maps or, or just how the, the guide says. So they'll put it and it'll end up how it is and that's great like yeah every every ti player should doesn't have to know everything in order to you know get the game going of course well dane i think we're gonna wrap it up there i want to i want to thank you first off just for doing this interview with us We're, we're really glad you could make time and 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 you know take us on this adventure it's been really fun to get a peek behind the curtain and also just Thank you so much for. Yeah. Thanks for Twilight Imperium, Dane. <laughs> um, <laughs> no problem. I think a lot of our fans would also want to extend that thanks towards you. So it's it's not not only just like obviously we all liked Twilight Imperium before, but like it is a very very big deal to me that you made Twilight Imperium easier for people to understand. Um, I, I think you when the game first was announced and stuff, you saw a lot of people being like, should I get this? Is, should I just get TI3? Like, what's the difference? And my, my response has always been like a resounding, absolutely get the new version. Like, it's... It's just so much, if ever people thought Twilight Imperium was daunting, I feel like you've removed that from the table. I've gotten more people who, like, have barely even played board games to play Twilight Imperium, and they've, like, absolutely loved it. And that that is a huge accomplishment on your part to take this, like, ridiculous grand strategy space opera and turn it into something that, like, you you can pick up and play. And I'm just really, I'm, I'm really, thank you. That's awesome, and I'm, I'm that, I mean, that's, like, the best kind of feedback I could receive also. So thank you. Uh, Dane, I'm saluting at you right now. <laughs> he's, he's been holding, he's been I, holding his hand. I, in his I can, I can feel it. Tension. I can, I can feel it. I'm pinning an invisible metal on, <laughs> on your shirt. Is it, is it the Krius uh, faction? Yes, it is. It is. That's it is. exactly You're what welcome. it is, Dane. How did you know? <laughs> well, I've also got Nalu prescience. So Ooh, he knew. Oh, geez. So Dane, thank you so much. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, if you have any last words, feel free to just throw them out there, whatever whatever you want. If you've got other Fantasy Flight projects in the can, just like whatever, you know, this I, I just want you to get out. What any you other need to get TI out. podcasts that you're going to be on? Like. <laughs> nope, just uh, thank you guys, and you know, thank you everybody who helped with the FAQ, and thank you everybody who plays this game. Uh, you awesome. guys are awesome. Awesome. Alrighty, thank you. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. 
You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum.